Expats postcards are out in the wild. We've received word from all over Canada and all corners of the globe. And if you want to be like Vanessa, Nermeen, Rahul, Jovina, Justin, Mike, and Chris, send me your mailing address at info at expatspodcast.ca and we'll send you one of our postcards with a message of thanks. Something you can put on your fridge or, or share on social media or brag to friends about. That's how fantastic these puppies are. And now, on with the show. Taiwan. It's perhaps most famous for the creation and export of electronic components. It's very likely that pieces of the device you're using to listen to this show were made there. But Taiwan is known for so much more. Let's start with its size. An island of only 36,000 square kilometers is home to 23 million people. That's just under two-thirds of Canada's population. That's 23 million people living in a space about two-thirds the size of Nova Scotia. Taiwan is one of the 20 most densely populated countries in the world. It's also home to a pile of theme restaurants, and I'm not talking about Chuck E. Cheese's or the Rainforest Cafe. Think more along the lines of Barbie or Hello Kitty. And then there's the fact that Taiwan is home to the highest density of 7-Eleven convenience stores anywhere in the world. And while you can get your standard fare of Slurpee and hot dog there, squid balls on skewers, steamed buns, and ingredients for a hot pot are also on offer. And until 2010, in the capital of Taipei, in the Xinyi district, stood the tallest building on earth, Taipei 101. And that's where we're headed, to northern Taiwan, into Taipei, home to almost 3 million people on the expats. Welcome to the expats. I'm your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. For many expats, ends mark beginnings. For Mark Czechnita, who's been living in Asia for eight years, the end of a relationship marked the beginning of his love affair with travel. But distance and time aren't enough to keep this Canadian far from home. I go back every year. Uh, it's always the same for me, usually the last week of July, and I'll stay until the last week of August because nothing's better than Canadian summer. <laughs> but you've been in you've been in Taiwan for a pretty long time, hey? Yeah, I mean Asia overall. It's been uh, over eight and a half years now. Um, and I did the one year I did in uh, the winter time, and I remember landing in Edmonton, and with the wind chill factored in, it was minus fifty seven degrees with the wind chill. And when I left Hong Kong, I think it was somewhere in the mid twenties, and that was the last time I made that mistake. <laughs> but but so you've made your way all across Asia. Where did you where did you start, and what made you want to leave Canada to pursue different opportunities? Um, well, well, the first plan was actually uh, so I was I was studying at the University of Alberta to get my education degree, and I had actually planned uh, with my girlfriend at the time. We were going to we were both actually in education. We were both going to go teach in Columbia at an international school. Um, and then the relationship went off the rails a little bit and I, I just decided that I thought that it would be best if we parted ways and I still wanted to travel. Um, but I decided to change course from Colombia and just do something totally different. I had a friend living in Shenzhen in China 
who had a job opportunity that came up and I just decided what the hell let's do it I jumped on it I wanted to travel I wanted to go teach overseas for a year and now one has turned into nearly nine so how does that happen exactly how do you go from I'm going to spend uh, a year teaching abroad to I actually completely live here now I mean I dove into it with honestly very little research all I knew is I wanted to travel and I wanted to teach, but I didn't want to start teaching in Canada right away because once you start and you get everything, you know, you, you put down the anchor, it's a lot harder to get moving after that. So uh, I liked my first year in China. Um, it started a second year, then the Olympics came in 2008 and police officers started knocking on doors and I was working illegally at the time, so I decided it was time to go. Um, I went to Europe for a short while spent about a month and a half there and then missed Asia and missed learning Mandarin and heard about Taiwan being a, a more Western uh, place but also being very similar obviously the same language and, and similar not the same culture but more Western and more inviting not that China wasn't but a year was enough so what were some of the challenges that you faced as a as a as a Westerner moving to an Asian nation? And trying to figure out how you fit in, were there any? Was there any culture shock for you? Uh, surprisingly, very little actually. I think I mentally prepared myself pretty well for it. I was expecting just madness, craziness, chaos, and I mean, there was that sometimes, but not to the degree that I, I built up in my own mind, I guess. Um, so actually, it was it was wasn't that hard. I, obviously, it's hard moving to a place where you only know a few people, but at least I knew a few people. Um, and I quickly met other people that they knew. So I, you know, benefited from people having already established contacts and, uh, the language was absolutely just horrible to begin with, just hard to learn. But after a few months, I, I just decided to work on it every day and I was motivated and I got pretty good at Chinese by the end of my first year there. And that made it a lot easier, I guess. So. So how how are you, uh, you, you say you're speaking Mandarin, how did you go about learning that? Did you actually go to classes and, and immerse yourself in it? Uh, no, I, I actually, I mean, I wouldn't say self-taught because nobody's self-taught, but um, I actually, this is going to sound pretty unprofessional, but as a teacher working at these little private schools, I would, I'd be teaching the kids English, but at the same time I'd be having them teach me Chinese. So every time I taught them a word in English, I'd say, oh, how do you, how do you say that in Chinese? And I'd learn the romanization system, pinyin so that I could take notes in my little book and uh, I tried to be subtle about it obviously because my main responsibility was to teach them but I picked up little bits and pieces and whenever I had to do something I, I'd study for it. You know, I, I wanted to get a haircut, I would study to get a haircut, I'd learn the key vocabulary, I'd go try it out and it often ended in embarrassment and frustration but uh, it was definitely a, a good way to learn. So tell me about your journey from wanting to go to, uh, was it South America? Yeah, the initial the initial idea was South America, um, and like I said, I, I changed course pretty quickly with that. had a had a breakup and just kind of wanted to just completely alter my course. Um, obviously, Spanish would be a great language to learn. That was why South America drew me, and and for the same reason, China and Mandarin Chinese drew me as well, just from a linguistic uh, perspective and just a, a goal worth uh, pursuing. So, how many how many places in Asia have you lived and taught in so far? Uh, just the two, just uh, just China, mainland China, and now Taiwan. And you, Taipei. How, how long have you been in Taipei? Um, over seven years now. It's June twentieth, seven years ago. So just over seven. So what is it that that uh, keeps you there ultimately? Oh, a lot of things. I mean, the longer you live in a place, you meet more people, and it becomes a second home. But uh, the climate is is great. I mean, 
it's November here and it's still 17, 18 degrees and we, we will have days that will reach mid-20s. Um, it's a gorgeous little island. You've got beaches and mountains, great hiking. Um, it's one of the safest countries to live in in the entire world. I think it came in second this year. I think Japan might have been first. Uh, don't quote me on that one. Um, but it's just a very safe and welcoming place. Uh, it's a good place to be a teacher. Teachers are well respected and treated quite well and I'm paid not amazingly well, definitely not by Canadian standards, but given the, the cost of living here, I, I, I live a pretty comfortable life. Um, really don't have many complaints. It's a great food city. It's a big, it's a big city. Um, so you've got food from all over the world. Uh, yeah, met great people. There's a lot of good things going for Taiwan. And, and how are Canadians uh, regarded where you're living? Have you helped to, uh, to boost positively the profile of Canadians? <laughs> I like to think so. Um, I, I definitely don't think I've done any damage to our, our standing, no more than our former prime minister anyway, but uh, I'll take one shot at him and then move along. Um, but I, 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 there are actually a lot of Canadians here, and I would say that the majority of Canadians here conduct themselves in a in an upstanding manner. Obviously, you, you get your, your more crass and, and, you know, shitty expats. There are shitty expats that, that are assholes in their own country, and they... they move across the world and they're still assholes but that's you know you're gonna get that everywhere so but I think the majority of the foreign people that live here are, are respectful and make a good effort to learn the language and represent Canada and the, whatever countries they come from fairly well. So you mentioned there's a large Canadian expat uh, uh, group are, are there a lot of people from other places living in Taipei with you? Yeah uh, I mean people from all over the place uh, the majority of my friends are usually whether if they're local Canadian, American, English, mostly. I've met other people from all over the world, but uh, tend to have more in common with Americans and English people. Uh, so I've tended to levitate towards having, I guess, those being my primary international friends and uh, some good local people as well. Um, been dating a local girl for three years now, and that's going really well as well. So, uh, yeah, the, they're good Canadians out here. They're good people from all over the world. Cool. I mean, you're, you're in kind of an interesting part of the world. Have you done a lot of uh, travel? Do you have a lot of opportunity to, to step away from work and check things out around you? Yeah, that's one of the benefits of doing what I do. Um, I, I get two opportunities a year to travel. One of them is spent in Canada because I love Canada. I miss my friends and my family, so I make an effort to go back every year. But then I get another chance, and sometimes I'll just take time off as well, which is not that hard, which is nice because teaching in Canada, that's just that's not an option. So I've, I've done a pretty decent job. I've traveled to Europe three times and I've been to quite a few countries in Asia as well. I think seven or eight. Um, so I, I'd make the most of my opportunities and that's one of the reasons I like living out here is that I have more opportunity to travel and it's, it's quite cheap when you're already out here, especially for the Asian travel. Yeah, no kidding. Now you mentioned that you do get back to Canada at least uh, once a year. What is it when you're, when you're doing your thing in Taiwan that you really miss about home? I mean, the obvious answer is people, of course. Um, the space, the just the natural beauty, and we have natural beauty here. But it's, I mean, I've been to countless countries, but the Canadian Rocky Mountains for me is probably still the most beautiful place on earth. So that's a big drawing point. Not so much the Western comforts because those are widely available here. So I don't, I don't miss food or anything like that. The food here is amazing. I can get any Western stuff I need. So it's mostly just people. And just the Canadian environment, I guess. What tell me about the the pop culture in Taiwan? Is it is it pretty uh, westernized, or or do they do they develop and consume their own culture? 
Uh, their biggest influence, well, they have two, but the biggest influence is definitely Japanese culture. They really look up to the Japanese um, and emulate a lot of their culture, which is interesting and unique. Um, and they also have, they draw an influence from Korea, but then you could also argue that Korea is also influenced by Japan. So, um, and, and I guess in the way that Canadians are staunchly like to say that they're not Americans, even more so Taiwanese people like to differentiate themselves from, from the Chinese. Is is there is the relationship between uh, between China and Taiwan super rocky? It's yeah, it's it's very rocky. Um, it's there are I mean there are different groups. There are two major major political parties here. One of which is more in favor with closer ties with China. Uh, they're currently in power, but their their president, who is almost at the end of his second term, is quite unpopular. And it looks like maybe in the next election, the other party, which is more pro-Taiwan independence and anti-connection to the mainland, might get in. But we'll see. It's the, the, the country itself is kind of split north and south, with the north being more supportive of the more pro-China party. But I'm not really an authority to speak on Taiwanese politics, so I won't <laughs> go into much more detail than that, lest I embarrass myself. What about uh, what about the impact of Canadian politics? I mean, I know that a lot of expats were watching this most recent uh, federal election pretty closely. Um, mm. Most and of I, us disenfranchised, unfortunately, but still watching. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that obviously, I mean, I've talked with a few other expats about it, but what what sort of... What, how does that make you feel when your government tells you that, in spite of the fact that you're a citizen, you actually don't get a say into the in the affairs of the country? I mean, it's absurd because their policies affect me. As a, I'm still a Canadian citizen, I'm living abroad, but not only am I a Canadian citizen, but all of my friends and family back home are affected by these policies, which in turn will affect me in some way, more directly than others, obviously, and for certain issues. Um, but it's it's frustrating, but I, I really it's funny, I went home this summer and I was campaigning, even though I couldn't vote. So I, I really, really made sure, tried to make sure anyway that a lot of my friends would vote on my behalf. Since I'd been dis disenfranchised, I, I, I promised a lot of beers that I'll have to pay back this summer, but I, I, guess, I guess it was worth it because we got Harper out of office. so so you're are you more hopeful uh, having a, a liberal government in power? Uh, I mean, I wanted to see a minority liberal government because I don't think they're gonna be as willing to keep some of the promises they've made. I was most interested in getting some form of proportional proportional representation, at least getting rid of the past the post system, but I, I feel like the Liberals might not be as motivated to do so because that's the very system that delivered them the majority that they probably didn't deserve. So I'm happy that we have a less terrible option that's in there, but I'm not I'm not as in love with Justin as most of the country seems to be right now. Well he's just so handsome. Well, he is a handsome man. There's no doubting that. Uh, we'll, we'll see if that translates to policies and action. Yeah, let's. I hope the handsome man can make handsome policies. <laughs> it's a it's a lofty expectation, but for now, I'll hang on to it with you. Sure. Uh, so now, you mentioned that you've been seeing a Taiwanese uh, girl for three years. Yeah, just over three years. Uh, August twenty ninth. Wow. Uh, three and a half or three and a few months ago, I guess. Cool. Um, that's awesome. Um, have you guys talked about uh, moving to Canada together, or is it like, are we not quite there yet in the relationship? I mean, I don't know if I, I don't know who knows about going back to Canada. I'm not saying I won't. I, I think I will one day, but I don't see that as being something that's going to happen quickly. Although life can change very quickly, so who knows? In a year from now, my opinion on that might be very different. Um, we haven't talked about it that much because it's just not really at the forefront of my mind 
So it's not something I feel like I've had to bring up with her. We're both pretty happy living here right now. So, Have you brought her back to Canada with you to visit? Yes, I have. Um, a few years ago, actually, and that went really well. Um, she did great. My parents loved her, so it was quite successful, I would say. And what was her? What were her impressions of of Canada? Was it? Uh, was it? Did she experience some kind of culture shock being here? Uh, well, she spent some time living in the United States. She went to school there for a few years. Um, so for her, I don't think it was that much of a culture shock. She enjoyed a lot of the things, the food, the nature. I, I obviously tried to show her the best of Edmonton, so uh, which is not that hard to do. Edmonton's pretty nice in the summertime, so. I don't think it was that big of a big of a culture shock for her. She's traveled quite a bit herself, so. Well, yeah, that's fair. And if there's no desire immediately, at least that you've discussed, to come back to Canada, is is Taiwan going to be the place that you stay for the foreseeable future, or are there other you know teaching opportunities in Asia or somewhere else in the world that you'd be interested in pursuing? I mean, there are opportunities all over the world for for a teacher for sure. That's one of the beauties of this profession. Like I said, for now, I've been here for quite a while. I put down pretty good roots, met some pretty wonderful people, so pretty comfortable right now. I mean, never say never. Um, there's nothing really tying me down um, because my girlfriend is probably also, with her job, she works in a, a hotel, pretty able to move around and travel. We haven't really talked about it, but we're not really tied down here that, I mean, as much as some people would be, I suppose. Yeah. Now, you're a veteran at this, Mark. You've been away from Canada for a long time. When you think back to when you initially uh, left to do what you're doing, what were some of the, what were some of the fears or, or apprehensions that you had about doing that? I mean, the fear of the unknown always enters the equation when you first move away from home. You don't really know. Like, what will the food be like? Will I like it? Will, will it be a safe place to live? I remember my first few walks home living in Shenzhen, a massive city in China. I was, I was on edge. I was, you know, looking around and somebody came too close to me. I was just, you know, careful because as much as Canada has a reputation of being a safe country, it's not as safe as a lot of people think it is outside of Canada. And China is, you know, it's not, actually, I felt kind of safer in China than I did in Canada after I lived there for a while. Um, but I don't know. I, I went into it with a little bit of, I guess, I was careful, but I was never that, I never felt that fearful, I guess. I went into it maybe somewhat blindly, but maybe that was a good thing. I've asked this of a few expats and I always get a, I get a similar answer, but slightly different. Hmm. If, you know, other Canadians listening to this show, what sort of advice would you give them if they're considering uh, taking the plunge and pursuing an opportunity to live abroad? Um, I think it always helps if you know someone that already lives there. Uh, they might not have to be living there anymore, but anybody can give you like a heads up with a little bit of local knowledge to kind of speed up things for you. Um, get out there, you know, try to meet as many people as possible. Um, get right into the language as quickly as possible. Maybe study a little bit before you leave. I didn't. I showed up in China with nothing. Fortunately, I, I think I took to it pretty well and I, I had to work hard. It didn't just come to me super easily, but... I would say definitely putting some effort into that before you go would make it better. But if even if you don't, just dive right in. You know, I mean, it's embarrassing at first learning a new language as an adult and failing miserably, and that's probably the biggest obstacle you'll face is is your own pride. But once you get past that, um, and just you know work hard at it every day, uh, it gets it just becomes a much more rewarding experience. You can speak to the local people in their own language, and it, they really open up to you and. It just becomes a, a much more full experience. And I think the people that stay here longer 
are the ones that tend to make those efforts because they get rewarded for them and they just feel like they're more a part of the society. Now, before we go, I've got one last question for you, and I'm only just starting to ask uh, expats this question, but if I'm ever in Taiwan or in Taipei, uh, what is what are a couple things that I absolutely must do while I'm there? Uh, do you want to go Taiwan the country or do you want to go Taipei the city? Because uh, those are two very different answers. Well, uh, let's assume that I'm visiting the big city. Okay. Um, you got to check out at least a few of the night markets. They're famous for their night markets. These just massive, massive markets that sell street food and clothing and all these just crazy little toys and cutesy things. And they have games and it's just it's an experience. It's wall-to-wall people. You can barely move. It's very un-Canadian in that sense. You have to, patience is, is learned as you live here. But it, I think when you visit, you just, it's part of the experience and you actually laugh about it and it's fun. The rest, it's a great food city. So just, just doing, they have these things called quick fries here where they, they just fry up foods for you really quickly and all kinds of amazing dishes. Um, I'm not that huge on the seafood, but the seafood here is really good. And what else? The the 101 building, I guess, although I actually don't think it's that great, but it, it used to be the tallest building in the world. Um, it's, I think, the second or third tallest now. A lot of people like to check that out. There are a lot of great day hikes you can do from here. Um, I've done a lot of them, and it's, it's beautiful out here. You can take an hour train ride or even the MRT ride, and you're in a jungle, and you're surrounded by beauty everywhere, and it's, it's amazing. Butterflies as big as birds, terrifying spiders, monkeys everything you want to see nature-wise, it's it's pretty sweet. It sounds like a really amazing place, Mark. It's not too bad. I, I can't complain. After eight years of living in Asia, many of those years spent in Taipei, not a single complaint, at least not during our conversation. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Expats. If there are any expats you think I should be speaking with, have them email me at info at expatspodcast.ca Or send me an email yourself, and let's keep building this global network of Canadians living abroad. I've been your host, Adam Rosenhart. If you like this episode, do us a big favor and leave us a review on iTunes. Find us on Facebook, look for Expats Podcast, and we're Expats Podcast on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch up again in a couple of weeks. Bye.